Hello, everyone. This is Caitlin. And this is Jessica. And this is Calling All Spirits. How are you doing this week, Jess? <laughs> I am doing good. I'm kind of amazed nothing's in retrograde right now because <laughs> it feels like things are a little haywire. Doesn't seem to be helping you at all, though. <laughs> no. Like, you'd think everything would be calm when there's a retrograde break, but I think it's uh, betraying you in some special ways. <laughs> I know. I mean, what do we, I mean, you know, right when we're kicking off recording season 30, like coming in there for us, <laughs> but no, it, it's good. It's, um, it's nice to be back. It's nice to be recording with you again. We've kind of had a long break. So I'm love we're getting like back in the swing of things again, but no, it's been good. I mean, kind of in the hi- hiatus, been working on my tarot, tarot fundamentals class, which I'm excited about and doing readings. And I had to share one because I did feel like it's pretty appropriate to the podcast and what we talk about. And also just a reminder that spirits all around us and they have a sense of humor. That is a truth fact right there. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I haven't been doing mediumship in a while. And I went to my first mediumship circle last Thursday and I was super excited and Freedom was leading it. And I was talking before class. I'm like, I feel a little rusty. I haven't done this in a while. And I was talking to another girl and she's like, are you offering mediumship readings? I'm like, well, I mainly do tarot. I'm kind of scared to do just mediumship because I don't think I could do mediumship for 45 minutes straight. Like that seems so long to hold that connection. Yeah. And so she was like, you should just try it. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, I don't. I, I don't know. I Probably not. And the very next morning I had a reading with a client that was supposed to be tarot. It was an hour reading. And it was 45 minutes, maybe a little more of all mediumship because I went to pull cards and instantly I was like, this isn't happening. We're not pulling cards. Nope. And you know, sometimes when spirit comes in so strong, 45 minute, ter- 45 minute mediumship reading. And it was brilliant and beautiful. <laughs> it went well. I should preface that, but I'm like. Yeah, when you say, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. I don't think I can do that. Yeah, Spirit's like, nope, we're going to. We're going to do this. So to be clear, your words were, I don't think I can do mediumship for a straight 45 minutes. And it was a (laughs) 45-minute session the next day that proved this inaccurate. Yep, less than 24 hours later. (laughs) Have you learned nothing from my life? Well, and this, I forgot to tell you about this. This was funny. I was telling someone I was starting. Did you see that? Yeah. What was that? The lights just blinked. Well, okay. It was the lights. Like, I didn't know if it was your computer flickering or. What were we just talking about spirit and the lights literally went off in my office and came back on. Um, try saying again what you were about to say. <laughs> There's no weather outside, y'all. Like, we know that Texas no, and our power grid likes no. to betray us. But, like, no, it's a clear sky outside. You just witnessed that, though. I did. You totally just witnessed that. Well, what I was going to say, no, I'm, like, scared. No, it's it's a good story. But just talking about things like this, <laughs> I had told someone that I was starting to work more with reversals in tarot because it's a personal choice, and I... I hadn't worked with them, but mm-hmm. I didn't. But it, I mean, my readings were still fine. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try reversals more now. I, I feel more comfortable with them. Sure enough, the next reading I did, all but one card and a Celtic cross was reversed. <laughs> That's Every a lot single of cards. One but one. And I'm like, I don't even know what to do with this. <laughs> like, so yeah, just be careful what you say. 
I think the official rule. The official rule needs to be never, ever, ever say never. Um, exactly. And then also, maybe be careful about how excited you are or how you articulate. I'm going to try this now because the universe <laughs> will be like, cool. Here's a hundred of them. Exactly. That's what's been up with me: trying new things, doing <laughs> readings, um, getting back into mediumship fully on board now what about you kate <laughs> nothing nearly so entertaining although i am very very excited because i had a friend come visiting earlier this week and i was able to give her a tour of our areas and stuff and my boss apparently had not heard me at any point in the last four years he's known me like he wasn't always my boss but he has known me like we started within a month of each other in this division and right. in passing, I've mentioned that I need to get back into my sign language. I need to practice it more. I'd love to be able to help because we do once in a great while have deaf people come into the office and having an interpreter does help with communication and, you know, healing and everything. And right. so the fact that my friend is, I thought she just had vocal problems, but she has legitimately, she's hard of hearing too. Um, it's what you get for spending most of your time talking to people for several years over the internet and not seeing them in person for like five years. Right. But so the tour ended up being a combination of ASL and talking. Uh huh. And I was like, this is fantastic. It takes the stress off of me. I can still tell all of the history of the area, but I can get my, my flow back in. Cause like I, I legitimately just need to practice more much like when you take a language <laughs> class in school and then you don't use it for 10 years. Right. That would be of me. Of course. But I mentioned that to my boss this morning because the tour ran a little bit late and I just wanted to let him know that I was, you know, out a little bit later than usual. And like yeah. the look on his face when he processed that I had been using sign language the day before in my tours literally hadn't heard me mention it at any point before this. He's like, oh, that's 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 good. Keep, keep doing that. I'm like, I love it. Keep doing that. You knew I did this. What are you talking about? Wow. That's so neat, though. So it was fun. I haven't been able to blow his mind like that in a very long time. So that was very entertaining for me. <laughs> and then also the pressure. Like, I'm loving that I have this pressure now externally as well. Not just from having friends in my life that are not just, you know, texting back and forth. But, like, I need to be able to sign for her. I need to now be able to sign for work a little bit. Because my boss will yeah. hopefully expect that of me and give me the pressure. So that was a very right. fun yesterday. <laughs> Love it. Oh, I think that's wonderful. That's awesome. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for you to be learning more and getting back into it. I think that's really neat. Yeah. Apparently, the big trick is going to be finding someone who is a part of the deaf community, either as an interpreter or, you know, someone who is deaf or hard of hearing, mm -hmm. who uses these oddball signs. Because, like, I can Google mm. and use some of the apps to find signs for, like, grief and mourning and death and... Like, and I know some of them from back in the day, but like it, right? I need to know the modern signs because like things yes. change and it has been a decade. Like we all know how language right. changes and adapts. And then also I need regional, like what are we using in Texas? Cause I learned in New Mexico and like there's some, there are legitimate vari variances the same way slang is varied throughout the country. Right. There, there, there are differences in slang. Like my favorite example, um, I know this is way off topic, but the sign for lucky through most of uh, the national, you know, ASL, like uh -huh. and everyone else can look it up, but I can, I can show you that it's that. 
Yeah. In New Mexico, that's chili because it's hot and it's tasty. (laughs) (laughs) So we have a different sign for lucky there. That's too funny. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm excited for you to take this journey. And I love that the words, I mean, and you're going to be talking about cemeteries and doing it. So it is on topic. It is all around this. This is true. And now you have to learn the words for like spirit and ghost. Oh, those are on the list now. (laughs) Those are so on the list now. Absolutely. I can't wait to see what they are. Me too. I'm super, super excited. Well, awesome. (laughs) Well, I guess that kind of leads into our podcast today. And it's a very special one, especially since we're only going to be able to do it like Once every four years. And it's our Leap Day episode. Yay! I know when we found out this episode was going to fall on Leap Day, we we knew we had to do something for it. We had to celebrate it and acknowledge it. Um, Because every four years, the month of February gets an extra day, which is February 29th. 100%. I'm excited. Which is hopefully when you're listening to this... Hopefully the spirits don't keep flickering. Yeah, this will, this will probably have less meaning for people who listen to this in June or, you know, next mm-hmm. year. <laughs> It'll still be fascinating, though, because we've got some really cool history. But I did think it would be fun to just share some fun facts and background about Leap Day and Leap Years. And then we're going to be getting into something very spooky and more on topic with our podcast. Ooh. So... I know most people apparently know this, but if you're like me and you're not really sure exactly why we have a leap day, I have included that information because human-made calendars generally have 365 days, um, but our solar year actually is 365.242189 days, or that would be 365 days, 5 hours, and 48 minutes, and 45 seconds. So that's how long it takes us to circle around the sun. So they're a little off. That is a very precise measurement. I know. I love that on the website. I'm like, I'm going to use that. And even though that doesn't sound like much of a difference, ignoring this extra time would mean that our seasons wouldn't fall into the same months every year, which would be hard to plant crops and would mess up our holidays. I mean, don't we have that problem anyway because of climate change? Very good. (laughs) (laughs) That is... That's an honestly really good point. So do we even need leap days anymore? I mean, at this point, why not have December happen in May? It'd give me a spring birthday. That'd be so fascinating. That would give... Well, would that mess up astrology? Would that mess... I don't know. I don't know. There are probably longer standing repercussions outside of the general problems that we have to contend with anyway. I would think so. So we're going to keep our leap days. And it was actually Julius Caesar who's credited with first introducing the leap year. And his Julian calendar had one role. Any year that was divisible by four would be designated as a leap year. And so his concept wasn't bad, but his math was just a little bit off, which led to too many leap years. And this this caused problems again for major dates and holidays. They were shifted about 10 days. So we've still got an issue with our holidays. Now, in the 16th century, Pope Gregory XIII commissioned a revised version of the Julian calendar, and he unveiled his own Gregorian calendar in 1582, which modified Caesars, but still kept leap days. And I mean, it it worked. It's kept our calendar in sync for more than 400 years. So it also apparently is uh, one of the theories behind the origins of April Fool's Day. Mm. 
So different holiday entirely. Yeah, no. Um, the changeover from the Julian to the Gregorian calendar. Apparently, the theory or the idea, like basically, there's conflicting histories about where the actual origins come from for April Fool's Day. But the one that I like that I come across most often is the people who didn't know that the calendar had been reset to start on April first were April Fools. Oh, very cool. I love finding out like that's where stuff comes from. Me too. I that's like that very one. Very cool. Well, that's awesome. And I mean, like we said, it worked. Now, it's not perfect because there's still a 30 second drift every year, but thankfully this won't be a problem until 3,300 years from now. So the people of the future can figure it out. Now, see, I'm okay with that concept of the people in the future will figure it out. With some other more immediate <laughs> problems, that's not a great approach to take. But for this one, it's math and numbers. And, I mean, Y2K took care of itself, so why not? Yeah, exactly. It'll be fine. Um, now, it wasn't just Caesar and Pope Gregory who realized the need for leap years. Many ancient calendars had leap days and even entire leap months. Um, and that's because a lot of them followed a calendar that took into account the position of the moon and the sun, which I don't know why. I love the idea of including the moon. Me too. Maybe because I love the moon. That's probably part it of sounds, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds kind of magical, maybe. Uh, but people born on leap year are often called leaplings or leapers. That's so cute. I know. It's so cute. And there's about 4.1 million people have been who have been born on February 29th. And the chances of being born um, on that day are 1 in 1,461. Wow. Um, if you are born on that day, um, for those, since they don't have a birthday <laughs> until every other, every four years, they usually celebrate it on February 28th or March 1st. And this was really cool. So according to Guinness World Records, there's one verified instance of a family having three members born on leap day. So it was a grandfather and then his son, and then his granddaughter. So what? It's kind of cool. I know. Like, what are the odds? That is super trippy. I know. I, I would love to talk to an astrologer about that family. Like, I bet they would have really interesting charts. Like, mythically, this feels like a version of the seventh son of a seventh son kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Um, there is an honor society for leap year babies. It's a club for people born on February 29th. And the goal of the group is to promote leap day awareness and to help leap day ba leap day babies meet and stay in touch. That's sweet. Really I love that. I know. Now, famous people born on leap day are Tony Robbins, Jimmy Dorsey, Antonio Sabata Jr., Ja Rule. Mm. And a more infamous person is the serial killer Richard Ramirez. The Night Stalker? He is a Leap Day baby. What? I know. I thought that was really creepy. That's horrifying. It really is. Like, it's, yeah. Ooh. To be fair, I'm also not okay with Tony Robbins. I feel like he's over-accessed <laughs> the power of the Leap Year. And, like, <laughs> we need to, like, cut him off from his source. <laughs> Because he, he's a bit much. <laughs> and he's so tall. Exactly. Like, like, he's big, big and he's he tall. Is. And he has this force of presence. Like, <laughs> we need to, like, Thanos snap him back to mortal. Again, I'd like to look at his astrological chart, too. Like, all the people, like, people born on Leap Day. Ooh, if we have Brandy come on, we need to ask her about that. We have, like, 400 questions for her next interview. Yes. <laughs> yes. Leap Day 
babies included. Now, to finish up some of our fun facts, there is actually the twin cities of Anthony, Texas and Anthony, New Mexico are the self-proclaimed leap year capitals of the world, and they hold a four-day leap year festival um, that includes a huge birthday party for oh, leap year babies. that's awesome! I know, it's super cute. And one of the most famous leap year traditions is that it's okay for a woman to propose to a man on February 29th. Yeah. I know. And this custom is attributed to a lot of different historical figures. So one tell is that St. Bridget complained to St. Patrick that women had to wait too long for their suitor to pop the question. Therefore, St. Patrick allowed women one day every four years to propose to the man of their choosing, which seems like you're having to wait a long time even then. Like Also, like, thank you for your generosity at I this know. time. I know. I know. That too. Now, another story says that Queen Margaret of Scotland enacted a law setting fines for men who turned down marriage proposals from women during a leap year. But, I mean, honestly, we can't really back any of this up, like, with historical proof. But it's really fun stories. I legitimately wish we could prove that one, especially to be like, so now, like, were there opportunistic people who, like, would, mm. like, zero in on the wealthiest guy in town and, like, all take turns proposing to him so they got money out of it? That's true. I mean, I didn't research it, but the source I found was, like, take this with a grain of salt. So I'm guessing there's not much, but... Hey, if anybody is like, here it is, <laughs> like, here's the proof, let us know. Absolutely. I want these stories. Alternatively, if any of you are very good at fiction writing, um, I could, I would, I would go for a fictional account of how this happened. This sounds like a really confusing romance novel in the making. I love that idea. If a man were to say no, it did come with a price. Um, in Denmark, if a man refused a woman's leap, year, leap day proposal... Um, he had to give her a dozen pair of gloves. And in Finland, if he refused, he had to give the woman enough fabric to make a skirt. Now, I mean, it's, it's interesting that the tradition revolves around romance because many consider uh, leap years to be bad luck, especially for love. Um, one in five engaged couples in Greece will avoid tying the knot in a leap year because they believe it is bad luck. And in Italy, they say leap year is a doom year, and they warn against planning special activities such as weddings. Scotland is not really based around romance. They just think it's going to be a really bad year for livestock. So it's said that they don't believe the sheep will do as well until leap year. So now I'm totally wondering, because all I had so many cousins getting married in 2016, <laughs> and I, yeah. I didn't want to share a marriage year with them. So like, I, we are also already planning on eloping. But so I, I kind of pushed to have it at the end of December and December 2015, which is not a leap year. So like, maybe I just knew something. <laughs> I was about to say, you just intuitively knew, like, we should not get married in a leap year. Yeah, because literally my logic was, I don't want to wait until 2017. Yeah, no, I think it was your intuition. I'm going to say it was that. And you just like knew, it. like, this would not be the time. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, speaking of like bad luck, um, warnings, horrible fates, um, that kind of brings us to the spooky element of our Leap Day episode. And being the Calling All Spirits podcast, I try to find supernatural Leap Day stories or ghost stories or hauntings, anything around Leap Day. 
And I am sure they are out there somewhere. And we are going to get bombarded by emails and messages telling us all about these amazing stories. But to be honest, I couldn't find anything for this podcast. And I looked. All right, y'all. You have your assignment. Our Supernatural Day episode will be themed on Leap Day ghost and haunting stories. Yes. Help us make Jess feel silly for not being able to find them. Yes, I I came across one thing on like Reddit, but there was nothing to back it up. And I tried to research it and I'm like, I think somebody was just writing a story. Maybe this is fan fiction. Like I couldn't find anything else on it. So I'm like, I'm not going to go with that one. But I did the next best thing that I could think to do and decided we should talk about Lep Castle in Ireland. And yes, while it's pronounced Lep, it is technically spelled L-E-A-P. And it's literally named after someone leaping off a cliff. So I think it counts. I think we can make it work. Agreed. That's not even a big (laughs) jump. No pun intended. It's not even a big jump in logic to connect the two. (laughs) I like that. Let's do pun intended. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Pun intended. It's not a big jump to get from leap to leap. (laughs) No. And I'm super excited to cover this because I remember learning about this as a little kid watching, I don't know if it was Unsolved Mysteries or one of those haunted castle shows and being totally terrified of this castle. And now we get to talk about it. So it's kind of cool. Lep Castle is one of the longest continually inhabited castles in Ireland. They say it's located in the heart of Ireland. And according to their website, Never has there been a building so talked about as Lep Castle is well known for its reputation of the world's most haunted location. And I mean, I think it's one of those places if anyone can have say they're one of the world's most haunted, I I think this castle can do it. Like, <laughs> I, I think it's pretty legit. It's honestly like a real life Games of Thrones episode. So If you have littles in the car, or if you're squeamish, or if you don't like hearing really gruesome, brutal stories, this may not be the episode for you, or give it a listen first before you let any littles hear it, because some of these stories are rough. They're very rough. There is our warning. You have have been warned. (laughs) (laughs) To begin, before a castle was even built on the site, the Druids believed that the land was dense and spiritual energy and it said that Lep Castle is actually situated over the crossing of two ley lines thus making the veil between the physical and spiritual realms thinner and more permeable which allows entities to manifest much more easily which we are going to hear all about and it said that the druids used this site for many of their ceremonies and rituals so so I don't know if this was a Freudian slip or just the way my headphones worked but you, I know you said helps or lets the spirits manifest more easily, but what came across my earphones was evilly. Stop. It sounded like you said evilly, and I knew you were going for easily. I don't know. I'm going to go with Freudian slip on that one. <laughs> I'm scared. My lights have already flashed once, Kate. No, I, I think it's because know. you know what story you're telling, and you, you mumbled the word in just the perfect way. That, that's true. Maybe I did. Oh, it's not going to get better, guys. No, it's not. It's going to get worse. It's just going to get creepier. Don't listen to this at night. Don't listen to this at night. Unless it's, it's, a, unless it's February 29th, then definitely listen to it so it's on the right day. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> now, this is very true. Now, later, it would be the O'Bannon clan who would give the castle its infamous name. 
And legend has it that two O'Bannon brothers were contesting the chieftainship of the clan, and it was determined that the only way to settle this argument was a display of strength and bravery, and thus they decided to jump off a cliff. (laughs) Yeah. So the two brothers were to both jump off the rocky outcrop where the castle was to be built, and the survivor, if there was one, would be the new chieftain. So... That's that feels like that feels like the youngest siblings idea. Like you two should do this to compete for it. Oh no, you both died. I get the prize. Exactly. I just love like whichever one of us lives. Like that's assuming you're both one of gonna you will live. live. Like that's a big cliff. Yeah. That's a very good idea. I wish you both good luck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's how it got its name. And before I pronounce it, I know. My Irish ancestors are going to roll in their grave, but I've tried my best (laughs) and I've practiced it, but I am sorry to everyone. I'm going to do my best, but it became known as Lema Bonin. Did I say that? I have no idea. I'm not looking at it. (laughs) (laughs) My, my, my little Irish ancestor was like, ah, like just screamed, but hey, maybe they're the ones who flicked the lights. They knew it was coming. They knew it was coming and they knew it was going to be rough. I did my best, but it meant Leap of the O'Bannons and was later simply, thankfully called Lep Castle. <laughs> so <laughs> it probably was my little Irish ancestors. Like, I know she's going to do it. She's going to do it wrong. We know it is. <laughs> Flick the light. See if you can freak her out into yes. doing it accurately. Make her do it right. Make her do it right. <laughs> my heart was in the right place. Now, later in the 15th century, it came under the rule of the powerful and violent O'Carroll clan, and they were eager to secure their position in the region and seize control of the fortress. And it was said that their lust for power consumed them, and they happily killed anyone who stood in their way, including their own family members. So uh, for generations, the castle was marked by gruesome murders and treachery. And basically, if you had control of this castle, it was probably because someone had been murdered and there was a good chance you were the one that did it. So (laughs) that's just kind of how it went. One podcast was going through the generations. It's like, this one killed this one. And then this one murdered this one. I'm like, so basically, yeah, they're all just murdering each other for the most part. We'll just sum it up with that. Family that kills together, thrills together. I I don't know. They stayed in power together. So, I mean, to be fair, I guess they weren't killing together. The family that kills alone holds the throne. Ha! That one rhymes. Oh, love it. Now, speaking of that, <laughs> one of the most infamous areas and stories of Lep Castle is all around the Bloody Chapel. So, it began in 1532 when the leader Mulroney O'Carroll died, and there was a dispute over who would be a successor. Now, Thaddeus O'Carroll, who was a priest, was next of kin and the rightful leader. However, his younger, jealous brother was not too happy about that. And so Thaddeus was leading a mass in the chapel, and it said that his younger brother became infuriated when he started the mass before this brother had arrived to the chapel, and this was considered to be a great insult. So the angered O'Carroll stormed into the chapel, chanting holy rites, and then drove a sword into the back of his brother Thaddeus, and the fatally wounded priest fell onto the altar in front of his family and died. So he killed him because he started the mass. 
too soon and he wasn't there. But I love how he chanted holy rites as he was coming in to kill his brother. Maybe he was confused as to how the transubstantiation worked and he thought it needed real blood. I don't know. I think they were all crazy. Oh, that's very abundantly clear. Like, was there there was lead in this water or like fungus in the crops or something? Yeah, we there are definitely anger issues. Lots of anger issues. But it doesn't stop there. One of the another, I should say one of another infamous killing um, is what I am personally calling the Red Dinner. And it's a, <laughs> I just feel like it's appropriate. Um, and it's when around 40 members of a northern clan were hired by the O'Carrolls to train them in these new methods of warfare because this clan was really good at it. And with the help of this clan, the O'Carrolls successfully defeated another rival. Well, all these soldiers that had trained the O'Carrolls and helped them win were invited to Lep Castle for this big feast to honor them and thank them for all their help. However, unbeknownst to them, the O'Carrolls had poisoned all of the food. So they didn't have to pay them. And in one account... I only found this in one account, but it was also said that they didn't just poison them. They also decapitated the soldiers and threw their heads out the windows and it just got really gruesome. And um, so, yeah. I mean, I guess it's good that they probably had stone floors because that's a very messy, 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 messy. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, this wasn't the only time they did this. Apparently, they also (laughs) um, murdered a... 39 members of the O'Neill clan in a very similar fashion. So moral of the story is if the O'Carroll clan at Lep Castle invites you over for dinner, you don't go. You don't go to that dinner. I'm pretty sure the official rule is stay off their radar at all costs. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't do dinner. Don't do conversations. Don't pick a fight. Don't end a fight. Don't exist near them. Yeah. Full stop. No, I agree. Now, the O'Carrolls called their castle their home until it was wrenched from their hands in 1642 by the English Cromwellian forces. And Jonathan Darby was given the castle as payment for his military service to the English crown. So now the Darby family has control of the castle. And they called it their home throughout the centuries. And several Darbys lived there, including one that I thought was interesting. He In 1698, he was tried for treason. And he was sentenced to be hanged, drawn, and quartered. Yeah. But at the last minute, he was pardoned by William of Orange during a power shift. So he got really lucky. No kidding. Yes. And he survived. Um, now, for the purpose of our story, the Darby I want to focus on is another Jonathan. They like that name a lot. They used it quite a bit. And more particularly, his wife, Mildred, and their life at Lep Castle. I kind of adore Mildred. So she married Jonathan Darby in 1889, and together they moved to Lep Castle, and Mildred was an avid writer and used the pseudonym Andrew Mary to publish a number of articles and books, and it was said that her writing was masculine and gothic. I don't know why I love that, but I love that combination. I want to read their, I want to read her writing now. I know. Much of her work was focused on the plight of the Irish under the rule of the English. And she felt like they were being treated very poorly, which they were. Accurate. And she, (laughs) accurate. And she used her writings to tell the world the truth about their difficulties and what was happening to them. 
without the typical positive English spin. So I kind of love, it's like an early, uh, she makes me think of the muckrakers, the ones that are getting the truth out there. And yeah, and here's what's happening. And she's kind of having to do it undercover. Now, in addition to her writings to fight for the rights of the Irish people, Mildred also wrote about the occult, which we would love as well. I know. And with the growing interest in spiritualism, Mildred felt that Lep Castle was the perfect place to hold seances since it had a long history of being haunted. And she was even known to dabble in automatic writing herself, which I don't I don't think I'd be brave enough to hold a seance in Lep Castle. I'm just You aren't brave enough to hold a seance in a haunted Victorian or Edwardian house. Neither of us would do the castle. <laughs> no. There's no way. At least not a traditional no seance with other people. Working on communing with the spirit in the castle? Yes. Mm. Holding a seance with other people that I don't trust on principle because humans are humans. Um, right. No. No. I Absolutely don't. not. Now, Mildred documented her experiences with the supernatural LEP in articles printed in journals such as the Occult Review. And it was because of Mildred's writings that LEP Castle would become known as like the most haunted castle in Ireland. And especially her stories about the elemental really led to this, um, it being known as the most haunted, which we're going to talk about the elemental. Sadly, her husband discovered her secret writing career and forced her to stop. No! I know, especially the paranormal stories about Lep Castle. He didn't really want those getting out. And so she followed his wishes regarding publishing, but she never really stopped writing. So that was good, but... What other stories would we have had? Like, do we have access to her manuscripts? Are they are they somewhere? Do we know the stories anyway? I don't know. Well, now, some of her, which we're about to get into, so a little spoiler alert, she did have more writings, but the castle is going to be burnt, and so a lot of those were lost then. So we're, oh. we're about to get to that. Now, it was during the Darby's time in the home that a horrific discovery was made, which was the castle's oubliette. And for anyone that's not familiar, the word oubliette is French in origin and means to forget. And it was a type of dungeon with zero light entering it, and the only way in was through a trap door in the roof. They were really prevalent during the High Middle Ages and Late Middle Ages, and the poor victims were thrown inside literally to be forgotten. Ooh, yikes. And they're awful. And while some were located below a castle, others were actually built into the walls so the victims could hear life going on around them. Oh, that's psychologically screwed up. Oh, it's all, they, like this was one of the creepiest part of my research was learning about the oubliettes. So Lep Castle had one. It was discovered in 1922 in a secret dungeon hidden behind a wall in the corner of the bloody chapel. Oh, naturally. I was about to say, not shocking, that's where it is. And when workers explored the void, they made a horrific discovery. The remains of 150 victims on top of wooden spikes. Yeah. Well, I guess if you hit the spikes, it might you died quickly. Yeah. They it, it, What they says they believed... It dated back to the O'Carrolls. Shocking. Not. Who would have... I mean, of course it does. I actually would have expected more bodies if it dates all the way back to the O'Carrolls. I know. The, well, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a very good point. Yeah. And 
kind of where it's situated, it said that to make it worse, once the victims were dropped inside, they were close enough to what was going on so they could hear the O'Carrolls and their merriment as their... I mean, if you landed on a wooden spike, maybe you're dead already. Like, automatically. That would be the hope. That would be the hope, to be honest. Ah, so, later that same year <laughs> that they discovered this oubliette... <laughs> Doesn't get a whole lot better. While the Darbys were away living in England in the early hours of Sunday, July 30th, a party of 11 armed members of the IRA came to the castle and told the caretaker they were looking for lodging. And when he let them in, they held them at gunpoint and stated that they were going to burn the castle down. So he was given just 20 minutes to get out with his wife and child and the IRA members went room to room destroying furniture and pouring petrol through the castle and setting it on fire. So they burned most of the castle. And the caretaker came back. He tried to save anything that he could. He moved it to a different location. That location was raided. And then the next evening, the caretaker gets another knock at his door. And it's another group of men asking for paraffin oil. And when he stated he had none, they went to the part of Luck Castle that had survived the initial fire, and they burned that part. So after that, the Darbys would never call Luck Castle home again. Yeah. So, yeah, there wasn't much left. So that's kind of where that part of the story ends, and we jump into our ghost stories. And what I love is most of these accounts I'm going to tell you about come from Mildred. So these are her personal accounts. I know, which is really cool. And I mean, it's not shocking. This place is super haunted. So we'll start off with um, some of the more famous ghosts there. Uh, the first two are Charlotte and Emily. And they're two young girls that are seen around Lep Castle. Mm -hmm. And their ages vary from like 10 and 11 and like 6 and 7. So roughly around those ages. And they're often seen playing in the main hall and running up the stairwell and it's believed that they lived in the castle um, during the 1600s around the transition from the O'Carrolls to the Darbys, but no one's really quite sure which family they belong to. But legend states that Emily died after falling from the castle's southeastern battlement, and visitors have reported seeing a girl falling off the roof of the castle and then oh. disappearing before Ooh. she hits the ground. And this sounds horrifying, and the new owner talked about this. That you'll be in the castle and you'll just hear this the um, a child scream. Like oh you'll my god! Just hear a child scream. I know. Isn't that so horrifying? <sighs> like they've heard that, and they said it's like one of the most unnerving things. And it's like really quick, and then it's just gone. Like it just ends. Now Charlotte has been seen. They kind of dragging like a leg behind her. It, it may be deformed and trying to run after the older girl. Mm. And Mildred Darby's account states that um, she wrote, Another night I was sleeping with my little girl. I awoke and saw a girl with long, fair hair standing at the fireplace, one hand at her side, the other on the chimney piece. Thinking at first it was my little girl, I felt on the pillow to see if she were gone, but she was fast asleep. So she saw the little girl wow. during her time there. We also have an account of, they just call her the murdered woman. And they believe it's from the time of the O'Carroll clan. I mean, most of these are <laughs> the O'Carrolls. A murdered 
lead in a story from the generations that did all the murdering. Never would have put that together. No, never. Um, She appears terrified and wearing little clothing and screams before disappearing into thin air. And Mildred Darby described her. She said she's a woman with very few clothes and a red cloth over her face. She screams loudly twice and disappears. I don't really understand the cloth, but she screams. Oh, this is creepy. So this is another one of Mildred's accounts. She said, one night I was sitting talking with my governess. I got up, said goodnight, and opened the door, which was on the top of the back staircase. As I did so, I heard someone come slowly upstairs, walk past us to a window at the end of the landing, and then with a shriek, fall heavily. As she passed, it was bitterly cold, and I drew back into the room, but did not say anything because it may frighten the governess. So she basically just sees this woman (laughs) walk past her, Up the stairs slowly, by the way. Yes. And then just doesn't say anything. Doesn't say anything. I don't, I don't, I make jokes about my own sense of self-preservation, but I feel like there are people who are more interesting than me. Um, I know. I, I can't say that I would have been able to stay there at all anymore after that. Okay. We have another lady that haunts the castle and she's known as the red lady. Even though the other one had like a red cloth, this is a different spirit. Okay. And she's described as a very tall woman clothed in a red dress and carrying a dagger in her hand that is raised and ready to strike. Terrifying. Wow. Those that cross her path have felt an immense cold that fills the room. And it's believed she was captured by a member of the O'Carroll clan and was assaulted. Yeah. And then she became pregnant. And having after giving birth, the O'Carrolls murdered the baby. And then the distraught woman took her own life. I told you guys, this is rough. Rough stuff. Now, a guest of the Darbys encountered her. And we have their account of what happened. So on October 31st, it's Halloween. <laughs> naturally. I went to my, naturally, I went to my bedroom about 11 p.m. Um, during the night, the time was 12.45 a.m. And I felt that I was awakened by somebody in my room. I was wide awake with an extraordinary cold feeling at my heart that rapidly increased in intensity. I saw a tall figure in the middle of the room. What is it? I asked. There was no answer, but now I could see dimly at first and with increasing distinctness that the tall figure was clothed from head to foot in red and with its right hand raised menacingly in the air. So holding a dagger. As the figure advanced toward me, the light increased and I could see distinctly that the form was that of a very tall woman holding some sort of weapon, knife, or dagger. So this super tall woman... All in red, coming at him with a dagger. In the middle of the night, waking you from a dead sleep. Yeah. Mildred describes her a little less scary. She just says there's a tall, dark woman in the historic scarlet silk dress who haunts the blue room, which also was used to be the nursery and sobs at the foot of the bed. Oh. It was the children's beds. I know. And then, of course, it goes without saying, the bloody chapel. Naturally. (laughs) Naturally haunted. Um, we know what went down there. Many f- visitors have seen shadowy figures. They've been. This was a little spooky, and it, this is more recent accounts that people that are in the chapel are drawn to the windows, 
and often feel the urge to jump. Oh. There are several accounts I heard of that of paranormal investigators that will catch themselves like staring down and hearing someone in their head saying, just jump, just jump. And like having this urge to jump and people coming and like saving them or grabbing and pulling them back, which is really creepy. Um, and recent owners have reported seeing the spirit of a man that comes out of the oubliette, leaves the chapel, and wanders down to the lower levels of the castle. No, 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 no. I know! No! I was like, no! No. 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 I, that that messed me up. No. I was like, I don't like it. No, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> No, another area is called the Priest's House, and it's said to date back to 1571. Um, and a lot of the stories about this d- date back to Mildred Darby. Um, and how she described what happens in the Priest's House, she said there's something heavy that lies on people's beds and snores, and they feel the weight of a great body pressing against them. Rude, rude, and rude. <laughs> Let me sleep. I know. She also said there's a burly man in rough clothes like a peasant. He always pushes a heavy barrel up the back stairs of the wing near the servants' bedrooms. And when just at the top, the barrel rolls down and all disappears. So I feel like that's just like residual. That's like just something they used to do. That's someone trying to make a wine delivery and failing miserably. (laughs) Exactly. And they also see a monk or what appears to be a monk wandering in that area. Um. Now, we have another room, the murder hole room. And I know what you're thinking. And it's not the oubliette. No, I remember murder murder holes from studying medieval history. (laughs) They also call it the muckle hole room. And today, they don't even know exactly which room this is today. Like, they're not really sure um, where it is. They have their suspicions. Murder holes Um, are usually between the parapet, not the parapet, the... um, the door in the door, the the gate that comes down and the door that flips up. Like, it, the, that's usually where they will trap people and the murder hole would be right above that. Yeah, and I think they've got a pretty good idea. But I, because at first I'm like, is it like the oubliette? But no, no, it's a whole nother room. Now, this is next to the el- elemental, which we're about to get to. Mm-hmm. That's our next one. This is probably the creepiest story. And so I'm actually going to read this word for word. Okay. So Mildred Darby talked about sleeping in the murder hole room and she said, I put my hand out of bed, snapping my fingers to call Nell, which was her little dog. My hand was suddenly in the grasp of another hand, a soft, cool hand, at a temperature below my own flesh. To say I was astonished would but mildly convey my feelings. After a few seconds of steady pressure, the other hand let go, and almost simultaneously, I heard a heavy sliding fall like the collapse of a large body at the foot of the bed. Then, in the absolute stillness of the room, there sounded a deep human groan and some half-articulated words, or to be accurate, prayers. So she puts her hand down to the side of the bed, and another hand grabs it. That's like a... That's what we... we, we I don't like getting out of bed in the night because of this kind of stuff. Why was she sleeping in the murder hole room? I don't know. But then beyond that, everything you just said, like, I had this problem before the sixth sense, but it gives me a great idea of why I don't like getting out of bed 
in the middle of the night. And it, yes. this makes, and the, the, all of the things about like, you know, you keep your hands tucked under the pillow or under the blankets, yes. keep everything kept. All of our childhood fears are because of this. And she mm-hmm. just does the thing. I can no longer say that I have no sense of self-preservation because she definitely has me beat. Like, I don't, I don't, I can't, I won't, no. Yeah. I think about like, I won't let my foot hang over the edge of the bed. Or let my hand, this is why. Mm-hmm. This is why. Um, she did go on to say that people have complained before, in fact, so we don't generally put anyone there now. No kidding. Good move. And the she said, this is her own words, the room is called the Muckler Murder Hole Room, and the story goes that the stain on the floor is the blood of a man stabbed by his brother. The room has been disused for 50 years or more when we did it up. The stain has been planed off the board several times, but it always comes again creeps up from below in a few hours. So I love how they're like, people complain that we put them in there, so we stopped. You think? These are not the, like, we, we'll make jokes about wanting friends who have haunted locations that invite us to come play and stay. These are not the kinds of friends we mm-hmm. mean. We want you to be aware enough to not put us in the murder hole room and then wonder <laughs> yes. why we complain. Yeah. Anybody, I love it. Like, so we stop putting people in there. Like, it's fine. Like, you don't have to stay in the murder room. Oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> I'm glad you love me enough to not put me through that. I know. I know. Oh, I'm glad we can laugh because we're going to end with the infamous elemental, which is probably what Lup Castle, this is what it's famous for. This is what it's known for. Oh, 100%. Uh, Yes, and while its origin is unknown, and there are so many theories, we do know that it first appeared, and really in early times, like people have reported seeing this for a long time. Some believe that the elemental was put there by the druids to protect the sacred site and used for initiations and druid magic. That's just one theory out there. Another is that the elemental was placed there by an invading force to destroy the castle from the inside. Some believe that the person responsible is someone known as Gerald Fitzgerald, Earl of Kildare. He was a renowned magic practitioner and had attempted to take over the castle on several occasions. Maybe he was putting it there to get rid of the (laughs) O'Carrolls. Who knows? There are are worse goals. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) Um, Now, local legends say that the elemental is the spirit of a... O'Carroll, who died in the castle from leprosy, and that's the reason it has a decomposing face, uh, decomposing facial features, an appalling stench that accompanies the spirit. And then some blame Mildred and said that the seances either brought it to the castle or she awoke the elemental in the castle. I can see that, especially the second one. It's, it's interesting that there are really very few personal accounts of people's encounters with the elemental um so we kind of have a an accurate description is hard to come by but mildred did see the elemental so we're gonna go with her descriptions and one of the few accounts comes from an article that was published in the occult review so this is how mildred describes it oh here we go so she said suddenly two hands were laid on my shoulders I turned around sharply and saw as clearly as I see you now a gray thing standing a couple of feet from me with its bent arms raised as if it were cursing me. I cannot describe in words how utterly awful the thing was, 
Human in shape, a little shorter than I am, I could just make out the shape of big black holes like great eyes and sharp features. But the whole figurehead, face, hands, and all was gray, unclean, bluish gray. So that's very gray. The thing was about the size of a sheep, thin, gaunt, and shadowy in parts. Its face was human, or to be more accurate, inhuman in its vileness, with large holes of blackness for eyes, loose, slobbery lips, and a thick, saliva-dripping jaw slopping back suddenly into its neck. Nose, it had none, only spreading cancerous cavities, the whole face being a uniform tint of gray. This, too, was the color of the dark, coarse hair covering its head, neck, and body. Oh, she's going to keep going. Its forearms were thickly coated with the same hair. So were its paws, large, loose, and hand-shaped, and it sat on its hind legs. One hand or paw was raised, and a claw-like finger was extended its lusterless eyes, which seemed half decomposed and looked incredibly foul, stared into mine, and the horrible smell, which had before offended my nostrils only a hundred times intensified, came up to my face, filling me with a deadly nausea. And she said that the lower half of the creature seemed semi-transparent. So that's how she described Elemental. That is horrifying. I know. I didn't even want to look up. Like, I remember when they kind of recreated this in a show when I was a kid, and it was the most terrifying thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. Interesting enough, because we're going to cover him in April. Uh, William Stead, this famous spiritualist on the Titanic, was apparently new Mildred, and he wrote about his discussions with Mildred, all about the elemental. So I thought we had to include some of his writings. All right. Let's go. So, and it's it's the same, it's the same story, but I like how he writes it because it's kind of got a different take on it. So he said that as Mildred was looking into the hall, she was suddenly conscious of two hands being placed on her shoulders, which that is terrifying to feel this thing touch her shoulders. What bothers me is that in her description, touches her shoulders and then she doesn't mention that it takes the hands away. So how are its hands bent up like it's cursing her with a claw extended, but also with its hands on her shoulders? I don't know. But just to think of something coming up behind you and then you turn around. Oh, yeah. Ugh. No, absolutely. You know, jumping, jumping out of my skin. I'd leave another creature behind me in the form of my body as I catapulted out of there. Oh, yeah. Well, it's interesting because he goes on to say, in an agony of fear, if the stair rails had not been in the way, she would have flung herself into the hall, <laughs> which is true. But as it was, she ran downstairs to her sister's room where she fainted. Makes yeah. sense. Valid. On re Yeah. On recovering, she stated that she had seen what she had seen and she had received such a fright that it was a fortnight before she had recovered from nervous shock. Makes sense. And he went on to say that her testimony is perfectly clear and unmistakable. She has never seen a ghost in her life either before or since. So that part I'm like, wait, she talks about having ghostly experiences. But that's what William Stead wrote. Maybe this was before. Maybe this was her first encounter. Maybe it was started with the elemental. True. That could be it. Ooh, there's an intro. Dang. I know. I know. He went on to say that the elemental did not speak, but touched her. Yeah. And confronted her when she turned around. 
And so, yeah, that's his little take of it. And he said that she believes it is still making its rounds around the castle. So it's still in there. Another account. So there's just a few accounts. This was from um, someone else that witnessed it. And they wrote, "My, uh, my own eyes were filled by the sight of a thing in the gallery looking down at us. There was plenty of light from the lamps in the hall for every one of us to see quite plainly the gray colored figure about the height of a small grown up person looking down at us. So that means these people looked up and it was just there. No, 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 no. I know. (laughs) Don't like it. Now, the last encounter for the Darbies, at least, was in 1915. And that was the last time they saw it. And it was kind of the same thing, like it appeared. Now, some believe that the elemental can cause great harm. And a more modern day theory is that it has the ability to alter the atmospheric pressure and cause a condition known as serotonin hyperfunction syndrome. What what this means is it'll cause symptoms such as heart palpitations, nausea, vomiting, sweating and chills, tremors, dizziness, fatigue, Um, It's also said that the skin and hair, like, it'll create, like, an electrical charge. Like, you'll feel an electrical charge. And what's really fascinating, because this is kind of a modern theory, but Mildred Darby describes some of these symptoms. She said she felt every hair on her head separate and move. Um, She said she felt the flesh all over her body and scalp crept, and every hair on my head stood straight on end. The absolute weakness that came over me, the seeming... A cessation of the pulses of life, the grip in heart and brain, the deadly numbness, which rendered me incapable of thought, word, or action when I first saw the awful beast. But then again, that could just be shock and being terrified. And yeah, because that's what your hair does when you're scared or cold. Like all of them stand apart from each other. And the part that's getting me is that like when you first started describing it, it sounded like there was like an electrical charge building somewhere, like right before lightning strikes mm-hmm. or like when there's nice. a downed wire. This is inside a building before electricity. Neither of those apply. That's a really good point. But, you know, they do talk about one of the theories with spirits is energy and being able to kind of harness energy. And so maybe that's it. Um now, after the Darbys ab- abandoned the castle, it remained dormant until it was purchased in 1974. And today, restoration work on the castle is still being continued by the current owners, the Ryans, who purchased it in 1991. Um, and they've been rebuilding the castle and using pictures of Lep taken pre-fire. They can confirm that the castle is very much haunted. Though they state they have experienced no sinister apparitions during their time in the castle. And I believe they haven't, like, come across the elemental. Um, And as of an article I read dated December 2023, so just this past year, while you can't stay at Lep Castle, you can contact the Ryans for a private tour. So you can go see Lep, which um, I would go see it during the day. That is one I know I always talk about, like, when to stay at haunted places. This is one I would have no desire to spend the night at. I don't even want to be there past sundown. No. I'm thinking, like, early morning. Like, Like, maybe a 9 or 10. Oh, I'm over here because I want to be able to have lots of time to explore. So, like, make sure it's in the height of summer. Mm -hmm. Wake up at the crack of dawn. Go get breakfast and coffee. 
head to the castle and then leave by like five o'clock in the afternoon so that there's still an hour or two of daylight afterwards. Um, actually, no, they yeah. have they have daylight even longer. So like we have until like nine thirty, ten o'clock before the sun's like really fully down. So like leaving around four or five would give us four or five hours of recuperation sunlight. Yeah. Yeah. I I know, and the owner seems so nice, and there's so many videos of him of talking about Lep, and he plays the flute or whatever, like that, and it's so The tin whistle, yeah. Yeah, and he's just sitting there by the fire in the castle, and he's playing, and he's talking, and it's like, and he seems so lovely, and I'm just like, oh my god, this is Lep Castle. Like, you're inside <laughs> Lep Castle. Like, oh man, I'm like, how brave were they I mean, you'd have to be brave. I mean, to sleep, to buy it and sleep there. I mean, no way. No way. I mean, I, I even yeah. think, okay, even if a lot of this is residual, but or, or whatever you may think, that's a lot of bloody, violent history. Like, that energy has got to just be in those walls. Like, it's, it leaves an imprint. I mean, there were bodies in the walls, so why wouldn't there be energy in the walls? I mean, 150 bodies. I'm still blown away that it's not a bigger number. That is several hundred years, and that family was active for a while. I don't think there's enough sage, palo santo, lavender, whatever you want to use. There, I don't think there's enough. There's, there's not enough. Salt? Maybe a lot of salt. Truckloads. Plus, salt is a cleaning agent, so like you can use it to get the blood stain out of the wooden floor that won't lift. Oh my gosh, that just cracks me up. I love that. Like people complain, so we stopped. Like, mom, like, why would you? It. I honestly wonder. I honestly wonder if people were complaining, and she was like, "What are you all?" complaining about and that was the night she stayed the night in there and that's actually when they stopped like people were complaining so i went to go check it out and now we don't put people in there anymore i mean it's a valid point i mean that's true i mean it's, it's just a hand that'll grab your hand in the middle of the night i mean and then it'll I, slump I can... heavily to the floor muttering prayers no no Mm-mm. i mean i was researching and reading her personal accounts during the day I was like, I don't like this. Nope. Don't. Like, I was so creeped out by this yeah. episode. Even just looking up the oubliette, like, and researching oubliettes was disturbing enough. I mean, I knew they were bad, but my first, when I first heard about oubliettes was Labyrinth. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> it's not quite as scary in Labyrinth. No. And, and I mean, I think of it and it's. I mean, I'm, I'm telling on myself twice now because I already mentioned romance novels, but there's one where somebody is an immortal and he's like, yeah, the trick is not remembering everything and knowing when you send memories to the oubliette. So, like, I have Adam in my head with his own, like, internal oubliette, not a functional one that actually has bodies chucked into it. Yeah, I, yeah, because I was like, oh, an oubliette. And then when I started researching and you kind of get to the reality of what this was, it's like, oh, my God. Like, this is horrifying. 
Yeah, and I don't watch Game of Thrones for a reason because I'm a wuss and I can't handle it and I can't handle all the violence and I feel like I just did an episode that is basically Game of Thrones. <laughs> like, Behold Caitlin in the ectoplasm. It's uncomfortable, <laughs> yes! isn't it? Yes, I hated it. Oh, I didn't hate it, but I just, you know, you're just like. Ugh. You're acutely uncomfortable the entire time. I'm such a wuss for things like that. I mean, my husband loved Game of Thrones and he'd be like, okay, watch this episode with me. And I couldn't make it like 30 minutes. I'm like, I'm done. I can't. I can't handle this. That's fair. Go, I know. I'm going to go watch Golden Girls or something else anything else i know it's an amazing show but i just it was too much for me it, it was just too much for my little nerves that's understandable <laughs> but i'll watch ghost shows and haunting shows all that i don't it, that's because it they're already dead they're not actively dying there you go there that's yes there it is there there it is. It's a it's a similar standard that I have with horror movies and horror shows. If someone is uh -huh. actively working on the problem, like I am Legend or like episodes of Supernatural, I can deal with everything. Like throw it at me, mm -hmm. I'm fine. But you have the we have to get out of here because they're chasing us. Ones, mm -mm, I'm gone. I'm done. No. Yeah. Turn it off. Yeah. Can't. I know. We always laugh or. Doing what we do and podcasts and loving all the spooky stuff, we're like the biggest chickens. Oh, ever. yeah. <laughs> you could fricassee me and serve me with potatoes. I am absolutely a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me too. I am not as brave as Mildred Darby. I mean, props to no her. No one is. And that is not, no. that is not brave. That is, that is, that is not smart. I mean, I just love this castle has a very violent, bloody history. Let's have seances here. Perfect place to have some seance. <laughs> this sounds like a great idea. Let's see what we can summon through after centuries of yes. bloodshed right here in front of me. Because if you think about it, you're going to probably get the O'Carrolls. And do we really want them coming back through? No. Are these the spirits we want to communicate with? No. They need to be doing their own healing their own work. On the other side. Like That's what know. afterlife therapy is for on the other yes. side. Yes. Yeah, not really who we want to no. be conversing with. Maybe she was going for some of the earlier Darbies. <laughs> Just Maybe. Went back too far. Went back a little too far. So, yeah, so that is our Leap Day episode, and we got to talk about Lep Castle. In a very spooky, creepy way for us to jump back in. I mean, if you want me to have it end on a, a happier note, the other yes. reason I think of oubliettes is there's a meme that makes its way around the internet every couple of years. Uh-huh. No one ever talks about how an oubliette implies the existence of a larger and far more terrifying oubli. Oh. <laughs> That's really cute. That's funny. Oh. Yeah, we need something funny. We need a laugh. I was already thinking, like, what am I going to go turn on after we get done recording? <laughs> like, well, not to be on topic, but have you watched Leap Year yet? No, but I tried to find, I tried to get it. And um, I don't like on the stuff we're subscribed to. I don't get it on any of those. So what? I'm like, I'm going to either just have to probably rent it on Amazon or something. But I did look the other night because I'm like, oh, do I get Leap Year? In all the many ridiculous subscriptions I have, it wasn't included in one of the ones I have. Yeah. Oh, it looks like it's on HBO Max. Maybe. Yeah. Nope. Now it's so listing. I'm... It's listing Netflix and Roku, and it's listing all of them. Google doesn't know what's going on. Google. Oh. Google needs to update its ADHD meds. 
Yeah, I was using that app that's like find it on here, but I, I can rent it off of YouTube. So or like Amazon. So I will just do that. I'll just because I want to watch it now and it seems very happy. It is. I've I've used it unrelatedly to help cure like I, I creep myself out. I need to watch something chipper because it's not as bubbly as like Christmas movies, but it is oddly upbeat and it's nice and it's pleasant and it's Amy Adams and, and it's good. And it includes no oubliettes. this is true there are no murdering families there are friendship betrayals but like on like a normal human mortal wow that guy's a jerk kind of level that's all we need well happy leap day happy leap year everyone (laughs) hopefully it'll be a year of good luck and happy birthday to all of the leaplings out there Yes, happy birthday. Let us know if you're a leapling. I would love to know that. And thank you all for being here and listening. You know the program. If you enjoyed the episode, please submit your appeasement to the podcast gods by leaving us a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. And then, I mean, you're already there, so maybe hit subscribe so you know when we release new episodes. Absolutely. And we want to hear from you. So let us know what you think about this episode. And if there are any spirited topics, any ghost stories around Leap Day that you want us to cover, you can look for us on Instagram or Facebook at Calling All Spirits Pod, or you can email us at CallingAllSpiritsPod at gmail.com. And I don't care how lucky you're feeling. Do not use the elemental to get a message through to us. Full stop. No, no. Don't, don't, don't do that one. And also, please don't ever send someone to grab my hand in the middle of the night. But definitely don't send the elemental. Maybe. No. Facebook. We have a, we have Facebook. a messenger. I'm really active on Instagram. We have that would an be email. A we have Patreon. Place. Like literally, <laughs> literally anything else. Yeah. The little elemental. I'm going to make him little and cute. I feel like he's misunderstood. So he's not as scary in my head. Maybe he was just trying to say hello. And he can't help what he looks like. Maybe true. the little finger true. was like. Hi. Finger like, Hi. He was trying to wave. <laughs> yeah. But I still don't want him coming to my house. No. Little, little elemental can stay at lip. Yeah, no, that that is his home. He is good there. He is good there. Well, until <laughs> next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.